the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a lot to cover. In a few moments, we'll catch up with John Schlafly. We haven't talked to him in about a week or so. Uh, John, of course, writes a weekly column. I encourage you to go over to phyllisschlafly.com, phyllisschlafly.com. I don't have to remind you, but I will, that when I saw Donald Trump about two months ago in Mar-a-Lago in Florida, he said, I just read that Schlafly, the Schlafly brothers column. Very good. I don't even remember what column it was. And then a few weeks later, when we all were together in Bedminster, New Jersey, uh, John Schlafly handed Donald Trump an old copy of the Schlafly Report, one of Phyllis Schlafly's uh, monthly columns, the Schlafly Report, uh, excuse me, monthly um, mailings, the Phyllis Schlafly Report, which she uh, published for almost 50 years. And John gave uh, uh, President Trump one of those copies. And a few minutes later, it showed up on Donald Trump's Truth Social and got a ton of attention. So you're going to want to go to phyllisschlafly.com and you will learn a ton just by reading John and Andy Schlafly's column. In particular, this week, it's about the Texas border. And I encourage you, as much as we have covered uh, the border with Todd Benzman and all, you need to be aware of what's going on down there and the battle that's happening. It is probably the most important issue that is happening in the country. And yet a lot of other things are hot button and get coverage. Um, and so check that out in just a moment. All right. Before we get to that, we need to get to what you need to know today on the pro America report. We start out as always with what you need to know, what you need to know, the wink, the daily wink. And it reminds me to tell you to head over to pro America report.com pro America report.com and sign up for the uh, daily email there the daily excuse me the daily wink the daily wink and uh, because you're going to want to get that you're going to want to know what's going on the daily wink sign up there and it comes in your inbox at 8 a.m east coast 5 a.m pacific what you need to know what you need to know the daily wink um today's wink today's what you need to know i'm going to talk in a moment about the hunter biden situation and what's going on in the courts it'll be a good summary of what's happening uh but i'm not i didn't actually prepare this wink with that in mind i i was preparing this wink a few days ago because here's what i want to talk about and that is how the deep state how the powers that be target and use family members to make people's lives miserable. And what got me thinking about this was a story that ran a few days ago, and it was a story in the Washington Post. And the Washington Post, which is always carrying water, always, always carrying water for uh, the uh, the deep state and everybody else uh, in the government, in the regime, it, it wrote this piece, and, uh, and, the, and the title is Mark Meadows' lawyer's son, Mark Meadows' lawyer's son, Shot down Georgia 2020 election fraud claims. Okay. So you say, what's that about? Hey, Ed, what's that about? And here's the thing. 
What they know to do to people in public life is the same thing that you would be most vulnerable to have happen to you if you weren't in public life. And what's that? Well, it's actually not messing with you. It's messing with your family. And so this lengthy story is out there in the Washington Post about Mark Meadows, who was chief of staff to President Trump and had served in the Congress before that as an elected congressman from uh, South Carolina. And the story is about Mark Meadows has a son. The son's a lawyer. And the son went out and was he lives in Georgia. He was supposed to help identify whether there was election fraud after the 2020 election. And he didn't find any. And he shot that down. Now, here's why this matters. Because Mark Meadows is at the center of the contrived effort to implicate Trump in in a January 6 crimes they're going to indict him any minute maybe even today because of the Hunter Biden debacle it may be today that they indict him but this is also meant to drive people crazy trust me as a father if your son your lawyer's son is in the Washington Post getting written about you're nervous now let me pause the most extraordinary and egregious example of this in recent memory of the modern effort to destroy people by targeting their family is what happened to General Mike Flynn. It's it's little remembered right now that what they really did to General Flynn was they tried to squeeze his son. His son who had worked with him, his son who was not a military general, but a, a, a young guy, a working guy, a wife and a child, I think it won, at least one child at the time. And the fact is that you want to put somebody like Mike Flynn, who is family he's he's god family country i'm pretty sure he would if you could get him i never asked him although i talked to him about this topic he he would be god first family next nation after that that's just the facts he he's he's for his friends just after his family maybe but even his friends he might put the nation ahead of it in terms of a call but not among not over his family and you don't have to meet, you don't have to get, uh, uh, you don't have to go very far to meet one of the Flynn's, Joe Flynn, Jack Flynn, these brothers uh, and, and sisters of General Mike Flynn to understand that. So when the prosecutors made a specific effort to target General Flynn's son, and, you know, it's if you want to pick, you know, the old line, the old uh, Soviet line, you know, uh, show me the man, I'll find the crime. And you go and you try to make a big deal out of stuff and you you threaten to put destroy a guy's life, a kid's life, a young man's life. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for General Flynn. And it was huge pressure. And that it was done publicly, that it was talked about publicly is a, is meant to be another level of torture, another level of pressure. Another level of insult, another level of of uh, motivation. You get the point. So the the idea that they're floating Mark Meadows' son out into the middle of this stuff, and that you can trust me, trust me, Mark Meadows' head turned different quicker when in a deposition they said, "Well, you know, you were talking to Rudy Giuliani, and Giuliani's got a lawyer, and he's got this friend and all." Oh, and yeah, what about your son? Was he on in this? He on this? Was he in on this? We might go talk to him next. He's only 30-something, and he has a life ahead of him. Well, we'll talk to him next, and we'll see if he messed up, and we'll see if there's a way we can put him in the jackpot. That's exactly what you do. That's exact. If you're an evil, evil doer, that's the game you play, and you can. So here's 
what you have to know. What you need to know is with Mark Meadows and with Mike Flynn, we actually saw it. It was out in public. Now, it was probably out in public as part of the torture, as part of the the effort to influence behavior and to cause heartache and trouble. But here's the question. Here's what you need to know. If these are the ones we know, what are the ones we don't know? It's not hard to imagine when you see the small C corruption of the swamp. When you go up to Congress, go up to Congress on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night and watch after they're done taking votes and after the hearings and look at the restaurants and the bars and the hotels and see if they're not full of people who are eating and drinking and laughing and carrying on all of those to excess in some cases, some cases, (laughs) maybe many cases, maybe most cases, I don't know. But you have to, all you have to do is say to yourself, is it possible that people with power, money, influence are not, um, say, breaking their marital vows or not, say, putting their son or daughter in a position where they are faced with a, 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 an embarrassing situation, a situation where in order to, uh, in order to protect their family, they would act a different way? How could it not be true? When you have government that's so powerful, that's so successful at growing power, influence, and money, they're all the same overlapping, you have the likelihood of what they call compromise. You know, that's the phrase they use. I think it's a Russian term, a, a compromise, a, a material that would be compromising for a person. It's huge. So now say to yourself, whose behavior is modified that you can't even see? At least with Flynn and Meadows, you saw a man, you saw, in the case of Flynn, you saw a man fighting for his family, fighting to protect his family. In the case of Meadows, we don't know. We'll see. I have my own sinking feeling that they got to Meadows enough that Meadows may be cooperating and talking about what happened in a way that's trying to save his son or his family. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I I haven't seen it yet. But here's the thing, and this is not, this is not, the Hunter Biden situation. The Hunter Biden situation is an indication of a compromised president. A Biden's compromised. Nobody ever alleged that Flynn was compromised. We don't even, I don't even think Meadows was. So we'll get to that in a second. But what you need to know is there's nothing that an ordered, ordered human being, an ordered man would fight for more than God. But after that, it's family. And so they know what they're doing. They know the pressure. And the only question is, who else is compromised? And what does it mean? And how nasty it is. Terrible. These are nasty, nasty people doing this stuff. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back and talk with John Schlafly after the break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. Been a, uh, well, it's always busy weeks for John Schlafly. Uh, coming up into uh, August, when sometimes he never stops the column, but sometimes he goes to cooler environs, as they say. So, John Schlafly, welcome back. And, uh, hey, any fallout? I did, I was, Cynthia Hughes, the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project, was, uh, the other day was uh, quoting to me. She said, you know, the way to have influence is you have to have something to hand someone important. 
Remember when John Schlafly handed Donald Trump the Schlafly report and, and Donald Trump put it right in his pocket, which is about a month ago now, and uh, got a bunch of attention. Any update on the uh, on the Schlafly report, John, and the, and the Trump camp? It's a couple times in a row or over the last few months where we know he's been reading it. Uh, well, uh, that was <laughs> there's a there's a. A photograph documenting that incident, Ed. So that that's in, in the history books now. <laughs> it's in the history books. All right, this week's column from John and Andy Schlafly, which posts over at townhall.com originally, but is archived, and all of his columns, all their columns are over at phyllisschlafly.com. Biden sues Texas, threatening America. Uh, early on Wednesday, I think it was, Ann Coulter, she didn't tweet your column, John, but Ann Coulter tweeted and said, while Americans uh, talk about other things and candidates for president talk about other things, it's immensely popular, she says, and had some polling, to be Greg Abbott, who's standing up to Joe Biden on the border. So, Tell us, John, what exactly we got an update on Monday from uh, Todd Benzman on some of the specifics of what they were doing. But what's the politics going on here and what's happening in court? Well, the photos of that are are so striking. And that's, you know, picture, you know, because what Abbott has done now, when when it all comes down to it, it might be just another stunt like him sending a a couple of busloads of migrants to Kamala Harris's official right. residence, but right. he has floated uh, a string, a long string of buoys in the middle of the Rio Grande. And uh, it's hard to tell from the picture just how long it is, but you can see it from end to end, so it's not that long. And uh, uh, But of course, the idea is to obstruct migrants from crossing the Rio Grande, mm-hmm. which they've been doing by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. And the photo, I guess the Biden administration couldn't stand that picture, uh, and people get used to that, so they filed a lawsuit, acted quickly to file a lawsuit Monday against personal, against Greg Abbott, right. asking a judge to order him to remove the buoys. And <laughs> Abbott, has, at least for now, is saying he's not going to remove the buoys, buoys. He feels like he's perfectly within his rights doing that, and he's standing his ground. Well, and so, first of all, yeah, yeah, let me point out, John, John Schlafly, you mentioned it yourself, but um, the sh- in the tradition of the late Phyllis Schlafly, criticize the conduct, criticize the policies, criticize what they do, not necessarily the person. You've been critical of uh, of Abbott, Governor Abbott, and uh, you and Andy in your columns of other actions, as you point out, when uh, he stood by and then sort of sided with the establishment Republicans and things. So, But in this case, he is standing up uh, for Texans and for Americans. Uh, John, I don't think I really know... Um, where what this po- what is the posture of this uh, joe biden goes into what federal district court to say you must stop greg abbott from what engaging in uh immigration policy is that is that the you know what's the grounds do you uh, well no he cited some obscure provision of a federal environmental law claiming oh. that he that greg abbott is obstructing the Extracting access to the river, uh, and that this and the river, the this international boundary, the Rio Grande, is, and that Abbott is obstructing that, which violates federal law. And so the lawsuit is actually brought by the environmental section of the Justice Department, which, Jeez. and not, wow. and not, it's not brought under immigration at all. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a crazy thing. 
Well, and so it's in the federal it's in the federal district court and and the likelihood. And I'm now seeing some of my notes on this. I, I knew I, I knew I'd read it. I, I guess I didn't realize it was in this column. Uh, John and Andy Schlafly's column this week. It's in the Western District of Texas. Um, and that's more likely to get you a Democrat uh, appointed or at least friendly judge. Um, it's a federal uh, lawsuit, as you point out, from the Environmental Defense Section of DOJ trying to say, hey, this is the um, a a federal uh, act, the Rivers and Harbors Act. So you can't do any obstruction here. Um, and I guess they're looking for a stay. Right. So they're looking for a, a judge to say, hey, get this out of here. Uh, then in theory, Governor Abbott goes up to uh, either he wins or doesn't win and it goes to the Court of Appeals. This is going to drag on for a little while it could drag on for a while and it likely will and they filed this is filed in a federal in a federal court in austin texas the state uh-huh. capital there were there is a branch of the federal court um <clears throat> the branch of the western district which is mainly san antonio to all the way to el paso i guess but uh uh you know, and uh there's only one active federal judge in austin who was appointed by obama and he he would not be, you know, he would not be friendly to Governor Abbott. That's for sure. Hasn't been assigned to him yet. It's a little bit strange. Uh, currently, the lawsuit is just in the hands of a federal magistrate who's not a real judge. So we'll see what happens. But again, the, this picture tells a thousand words uh, because those bright orange buoys, you know, dozens of them, perhaps a hundred or more, all strung together, floating in the middle of the Rio Grande. I mean, hmm. you know, it's ingenious, really. I have <laughs> yeah, to give yeah. Abbott a bit of credit for PR, if nothing else, by doing that. Now we'll see what happens. It's a, this lawsuit has just begun, but as we pointed out, uh, you know, the while all that was going on, that uh, we found that the br- there was a bridge across the Rio Grande uh, in a in a up the river a ways where the water is a lot shallower. And this bridge was erected by the Mexican cartels Hmm. in order to make it easier for them to shepherd illegal aliens across the Rio Grande. And even though the federal government has been notified about this illegal bridge, the federal government has done nothing to bomb it or dismantle (laughs) it or remove it or sue anybody. And they're just letting it stay there, which is horrible. Um, well, and, uh, and John, um, if they're worried about the river, isn't that part of the problem? I mean, isn't a buoy across the river a problem? Uh, if, if a buoy is a problem, why isn't, um, a, uh, a bridge? I guess that's part of your point is, uh, if you're, if you're going to mess to say you can't mess with waters, John, well, what is, exactly. what is and the, the bridge is obstructing traffic, of course, <laughs> although I'm not sure how much river traffic there is. I mean, really the only traffic in the Rio Grande is migrants crossing it. So we, that should be obstructed. John, um, in in uh, in Europe, there's been a series of elections, one in Spain a few days ago, where the conservatives won um, the more, even more conservative party. The press likes to call the far right didn't do as well, but the conservatives won um, uh, and the conservative party won. But there's been an effort and I've seen it growing to soften the rhetoric on immigration amongst the conservative parties. Is that are we in danger of that in America? You don't hear the Republicans, even President Trump, leading quite as strongly on this. Is Are we are we losing some ground on this battle? Uh, I hate to say that people are getting used to it. I mean, you know, we were having, you know, 
until last month when the traffic fell somewhat last month. And of course, right. now the Biden people are saying, see, our, see we're really uh, <clears throat> well, clearing the border yeah. now, which is not really true. It's just because of the, see, those of the season. Right. But it's been running about 200,000 a month. I mean, come on. And we've got five to seven million people who are already in the United States. And where are those people? And why are they not being you know, arrested and removed? Um, and well, and, 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 you know, John, John, we're talking with John Schlafly again, phyllisschlafly.com to see all John's columns, John and Andy Schlafly do the Schlafly report. You said something uh, that I think I worry about is people are used to it. I, 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 you know, I can tell you, Todd Benzman has been on the program telling us how the Bidens are cooking the books on the numbers. They're lying about the numbers anyway, and the numbers are catastrophic, but, um, you know, I, I think people are sort of getting used to the the status quo. And my concern, again, is that some of the politicians don't see how to to, you know, to lead on it. And and you mentioned Governor Abbott. Hopefully it's not. But that you uh, that it was. Um, is it a stunt and not a commitment to actually stop this? And I, I don't know. We've got about a minute left, John. I, your thoughts, final thoughts. <laughs> well, um you know, just just keep showing that picture, and we'll see how that plays out. Of course, the court case I don't think is going to be resolved in the near future. But I mean, if we have that case and that and those uh, photos to continue throughout the campaign, uh, pretty know, per- I, yeah, pretty persuasive. It's pretty persuasive um, imagery, as you as you say. A, a column which John and Andy Schlafly do so well is worth a thousand words or whatever. But a picture, a photo. It seems like it's worth a million words, especially when it's something like that. The the barbed wire and the the uh, uh, floating um, uh, pontoons, pretty striking. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Thank you, John Schlafly, phyllisschlafly dot com for all his archive columns. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our, our friend Todd Benzman is with us. ToddBenzman.com is the best place to see all this stuff. He is a senior national security fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, he is an investigative journalist by training, among other things. And uh, he is also uh, has worked in and out of public service, uh, as well as uh, being an analyst and others. So uh, welcome back, Todd. Uh, first of all, um, what's the status down there at the border? I mean, we got some coverage in the last few weeks. I haven't talked to you in about a week or so. Uh, what's going on down there? What's the <clears throat> well, let me start two ways. One, what's the coverage like? Is anybody seriously covering it? And uh, I always think in the summer, is it uh, is it slowing down because it's so dangerous? Well, in terms of coverage, first, I would say that there is a since the last time you and I talked, a, a pretty significant upsurge in media coverage. Usually, almost all of it negative, uh, attacking the Texas Department of Public Safety and Greg Abbott. Mm. For all of the uh, uh, the new uh, fortifications and the water barrier, the marine barrier, and all the barbed wire, and there seems to be a gathering uh, storm of opposition to try to um, litigate or def- politically defeat what Abbott is doing in Texas down there. Um, there was uh, reporting in the Houston Chronicle that you know. Uh, the Texans had placed underwater razor wire uh, traps to cut immigrants as they crossed. And then other reports that Texas troopers were just uh, pushing children into the river and, you know, mothers with babies and that sort of thing. Um, just the kind of, and that has just gotten a tremendous amount of coverage in the liberal media, the, in the mainstream media and the, which is one and the same, I think, huh. 
Um, and then another uh, development was that the Biden administration gave Abbott three days to get rid of the to to give an answer on whether they would get rid of the marine barrier thousand mm-hmm. feet of it that they put in there. Abbott has responded this morning. This is Monday as we speak. Uh, no, where the marine barrier stays, all of it stays. We're not changing anything. Um, the Texas officials that I talked to who are in the know on all this flat out deny anything about the water traps, that there's no razor wire submerged that you can't see. None of that's true. Um, nobody's pushing anybody into the river. They're just blocking them or denying water or any of that stuff. Uh, they're just denying that it's true and they're staying the course. That's where I mean, we are. If there was razor wire, wouldn't we have one picture of it? I mean, I, I look, it's a horrendous allegation, but it's one of these things where wouldn't we have one picture of of a of an innocent of a person, uh, so-called innocent, you know, who was cut up to pieces by the the wire? I mean, I, I just it feels to me like the the most egregious version of, you know, when did you stop beating your wife? You have to prove that you didn't use razor wire. I mean, that'd be a crime against almost every convention. Well, my he right exactly. Um, you know, first of all, I I don't believe at this point that that any of the allegations are true. But it, truth truth doesn't really matter in situations like this. Uh, just perception and media coverage and political, uh, you know, kind of partisanship. Yeah, one ups, one ups, one upsmanship. Yeah, narratives yeah. to try to, to try to get. It's all designed to try to get you know the offender. In this case, it's Texas to stop fortifying to Mm -hmm. open it all up to you know put it back the way it was where everybody can kind of get through and my experience with this especially with the trump wall during the controversies where he was trying to build the wall is you know that they would say it doesn't work it's mean people are dying on it uh that sort of thing as a way to get it to be halted right but the people that are the noisiest i find about that are usually the ones who I believe in the heart of hearts understand that it's effective. Mm. <laughs> and so otherwise, you know, if they really believe that it wasn't working, they would just shut up and smirk mm-hmm. and go home, you know, but the, the, the noise over this Marine barrier and all these Texas fortifications tells me that it's all highly effective, mm. uh, that it would work, that it is slowing things down, that it's a problem for, uh, unimpeded mass immigration. And so this is actually, uh, this is a weird thing to say, but I, I see this as a, as a positive sign, uh, oh, all of this opposition because they know that it works. I would talk with Todd Benzman again, Todd is where you can go and see all of his stuff. Uh, he's a senior national security fellow at the center for immigration studies, his book overrun how Joe Biden unleashed the greatest border crisis in us history is available. It's been out for a few months, a uh, very popular and uh, useful uh, bombardier books, a uh, division of post Hill press uh, is the publisher. Um, Todd, I'm then my second question. It is the summer. It's hot all over the country, but it's certainly hot in Texas. I, I haven't seen the terrible, horrendous, um, story yet of uh of you know a, a half a dozen or a dozen or sometimes more than that people trapped in a in a truck that get uh you know uh either get killed or, or really hurt from uh heat exhaustion in the heat but is it does that slow things down at all just as a matter of forget about the the sovereignty of the country people not dying does it slow it down because it's so hot yeah usually you know the summer months are um slower than other months now during the biden border crisis 
the summer months were, you know, bigger than any other summer months ever in mm. history. I it see. didn't matter because they were being, they were being allowed in. Right. Uh, so, you know, they were just, they couldn't afford to miss the opportunity, you know, let's get in while we can. Um, I think though, that uh, because of, of another program called CBP one, where they're bringing them in over the border, uh, over the bridges and flying them in through airports that probably fewer people need to cross uh, illegally on land. I see uh, when they, when they come through, I mean, there's, there's a great video out there by uh, the journalist Bur- Ben Burkwam uh, from two days ago in, in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And he got a shot of just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of immigrants just walking up the, the, the port of entry gangplank to the bridge and you know it's all covered from the sun and it's you know there's water and everything that anybody needs and they're letting them in that way so i think that you know just as many people are crossing in but they're just doing it under the shade of bridge awnings Hmm. and through buildings that are air conditioned uh, Todd Benzman is our guest again. Uh, Todd, what's next? Is there upcoming uh, I- I- events or timing that will be uh, a trigger for either attention or for changes? What do you see coming in the next month or two? Well, I think things are going to just be the status quo. If anything, the administration is going to continue to lift to raise the the caps on the number of people being brought in under CBP one as the administration expands its own infrastructure, its own capacity to, um, you know, process these people in through the port ports of entry, they will raise the cap. Uh, I don't, they, they've never really said, we'll never raise it beyond this cap. They're just raising it as their capacity to process increases. So I think we will see a lot, more of those increases month to month to month. Uh, every month they seem to add a few hundred more uh, a month and to the cap. So uh, I think we'll just kind of see the status quo. We'll probably see an increase in family groups crossing through Del Rio and Tucson sector uh, because they're just being let in anyway. They don't have to wait in line. It's cheaper and easier. They get the same benefits pretty much if they just cross illegally. So we ought to start seeing more of that, especially as the weather cools. Uh, do you yeah. do you do you expect? Um, is there is there a date a, a reporting date where there's going to be something you can point to again and say, look at the numbers? Is that coming in the early September? Uh, excuse me, early August in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we should see the July numbers uh, come out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, every month the, the you know they put out new numbers about maybe two or three weeks lagging from the pri- for the prior uh, month. And again, you know, we'll see the administration crow about maybe declining numbers uh, coming through illegally, but not saying anything about the increase of the same percentage mm. being brought in under CBP one yeah. over bridges. It's amazing. So it's amazing. I think I think that the um, I, I was watching the media reporting, and the media reporting just parroted that exact. Line. line yeah numbers are yep. way down they know that so they, know, they know they know they're they know their talking points um yes, all right todd do. todd todd bensman i gotta run i'm on uh, a stop uh todd bensman as always uh so helpful toddbensman.com check it out there his book overrun uh must have uh we gotta take a quick break we'll be right back ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment 
This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. I am often asked if I do my own grocery shopping, and the answer is definitely yes. I want to know that the foods I buy are fresh, and I especially want to know where they are coming from. The United States used to be known as the world's breadbasket, and surely nothing is so important as a country's ability to feed its own people. I was shocked to discover that the United States became a net food importer in 2005 and now imports $65 billion worth of food every year. Even more shocking is that the vast majority of this imported food is not examined or tested. The Food and Drug Administration estimates that it conducts border inspections on only half of 1% of vegetables, fruits, grains, and dairy at the border. The seafood consumed by Americans is 84% imported, and the FDA inspects less than 2% of imported seafood. The importation of shrimp from Asia has destroyed most of our own shrimp industry on the Gulf Coast. The worst part of it is that Chinese shrimp is grown in sewage, and that is disguised by adding antibiotics and herbicides that are banned in the United States. According to a statement of the Southern Shrimp Alliance, this process reflects an intentional decision by the Chinese. The use of these harmful chemicals is the result of China's calculation to reduce the costs of producing aquaculture shrimp at the risk of the health and safety of American consumers. Much of the Chinese seafood is now shipped from China's plants in Vietnam and Malaysia. The FDA has already detained many shipments of Vietnamese seafood because of E. coli, antibiotic residues, and other serious safety concerns. When you buy fish, look for the sign showing where the fish comes from. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, let me finish out today's program with a little bit of a... Uh, reminder or a walk down memory lane or whatever you call it. One of the great things of my childhood was that my grandfather taught me to appreciate and love to watch baseball on TV. Now, I grew up in New Jersey and I, he was a Yankees fan and I became a Yankees fan. And I used to watch the games when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And I would sit in front of the TV or lay down. I remember laying down in front of my, on my belly and I would watch it and I'd have a baseball, uh, a, a Yankees batting helmet. 
and I put that on when they were up and maybe a batting glove. And then when they were field, I put my glove on and my hat and back and forth. And we, lo- I loved watching baseball and I loved watching baseball with my grandfather. And it was great memories. It's great, great kind of sharing of things. In fact, the first game, baseball game I went to was a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium, a real doubleheader where they play one one game right after another, not split where you go out and come back. And it was Yankee Stadium. It was the Tigers versus the Yankees. My dad took me with his brother, my uncle. And I, I don't remember the game very much, but I remember being there. But anyway, I, my grandfather, uh, who was named Phil McGonigal, Philip McGonigal, and obviously called him Grandpa, and um, he taught me how to love baseball and watch it and, and understand it and all. And he died in uh, he died in when I was 15. And um, before that, that I had the great there were great years of baseball. And one of the memories I can remember it right now was a Sunday day game in 1983. I now that I know the date because it's 40 years ago uh, as of July 24th. The Yankees played the uh Kansas City Royals, and they were great rivals at the time. And I did love, um, I did love George Brett as a hitter. He was a great hitter, and he had written a, he had been part of a book, uh, a really um, good book on hitting that he put together with Charlie Lau, who was a hitting coach for the Kansas City Royals, and had been around baseball a long time. And so, um, when I when I watched this, uh, I watched that game. This is a uh, Sunday afternoon and, and the way it used to work, you didn't have tons of cable TV. So you had to have either the game of the week, which would have been on Saturday after lunch, you know, one o'clock or your own hometown team would have baseball. And so they played a Sunday, always Sunday afternoon games like they do somewhat now, never in the evening. And they'd be on the local TV. And so I remember watching that game. Anyway, uh, it was the top of the ninth inning with two outs. And Goose Gossage, who's in the Hall of Fame and was a closer for the Yankees, was pitching and he was against the Royals. And he gave up a home run to uh, George Brett. And George Brett hit this home run. And I love George Brett. I love watching him. I didn't root for him, though, because I didn't like Kansas City. And um, then Billy Martin, the famous umpire, of the uh, umpire, the famous manager of the New York Yankees came out and he protested that the bat had too much pine tar on it. It had too much pine tar on it. And what later came out was Craig Nettles, a third baseman for the Yankees, said they all knew that the bat had too much pine tar on it. And they knew it a week or two before they played the Kansas City Royals at Kansas City, but they were waiting for some time when it mattered. And so Billy Martin protested the umpire and the umpire said, yep, there's too much pine tar in the bat. Therefore, it's a violation. Therefore, the batter's out. The home runs voided and the Yankees win. And the famous scene from 1983, July 24th, was um, George Brett running out of the dugout going crazy. It was amazing. I picture I can picture it right now watching it. It was unbelievable. And George Brett was had always had a chewing tobacco, a big chaw on his cheek and was this rough character, you know, tough guy uh, and kind of like a cowboy. It was amazing. I met him years later at um, I met George Brett years later at Whitey. Well, so two George Brett stories. One, I went to work in Kansas City for a year. And I lived on Quality Hill in a in a small apartment. And across the street was a sports bar. And next to the sports bar was another bar. And so I used to go to the sports bar and eat dinner. I was single at the time. I'd eat dinner or something and sit there and watch TV, watch baseball or something. And the bartender said that George Brett and the Royals used to come to that bar next door 
after almost every game back in the day. And and they said they were a hard party in group. They loved to come out. And they said George, uh, George Brett was always chewing tobacco and was spitting on the floor. That was his known thing. And he was not actually a very friendly guy, but, uh, but a couple of years after that, I was in St. Louis and Whitey Herzog made the hall of fame. And I was invited to a celebration in uh, suburban St. Louis and George Brett was there and he did have a reputation for being a partier and he had had a lot to drink when I met him and he was really funny and a really great character and great to talk to. Um, but two things to tell you one when um my grandfather died when i was 15 and and never you know it was like one of those pivotal moments in my life and i never forget it where i was also watching tv laying on the ground in my family room where i would watch baseball but i wasn't watching baseball i think i was watching tv that's one thing i remember and i always appreciated and loved that he taught me to watch baseball but the other one was somewhat uh maudlin a few years later in 1989 uh billy martin died in a car accident on christmas day probably drinking i don't think it was ever proven um but i think he was drinking that night and i went to his funeral his funeral was held in saint patrick's cathedral in new york city and i went in on the train from where i grew up and i went to that and in the saint patrick's was packed with lots of baseball fans but also every famous uh, uh yankee player and lots of other baseball players including george brett which was very cool. So anyway, great baseball memory from this time of year. I hope there's lots of other things that can be memories for people. But for me, the memories of my grandfather teaching me how to watch baseball and how to care about it and to love watching it was wonderful memories and uh, and great, uh, great memory of George Brett getting thrown out of the game. Later, it was reversed, by the way. The, the call was reversed by the commissioner's office, the American League president's office, and uh, the home run counted, and, the, and the, uh, the Royals won the game. So there you have it. Good memories for the summer and for baseball. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, and also Ryan Height and Mason Mohan for helping associate produce. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.